0: This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Um, Hey, I want to share a few exciting things with you. One, I want to tell you, last week, last week was maybe the proudest I've ever been of our church community for two big reasons. One, We dove into a topic last week, the question about race and reconciliation, a topic we had not engaged with as a church community uh, for as long as I've been around here, and you engaged with that topic with such humility compassion and grace that I was just overjoyed to be your pastor. And if you missed it you can you can watch if you go to our Facebook page, we took a video of it or you can listen online. But basically we said with Jesus there's always a third way. There's not just us and them, but there's always a third way. I want to tell you I was so proud to be your pastor last week, as we talked about that third way and, and really explored it, looked at our own lives, looked at our own uh, experiences around race, and had some serious conversations. And I'm looking forward to this week, because here, this week, we're going to talk about something that we also don't talk about all that often at church, which is politics. We're going to talk about politics. So yes, I promise I won't tell you who to vote for, how to vote, why you should vote a certain way, but we're going to explore the topic of of politics, and I'm asking for the same grace, humility, and partnership that I saw last week. So that's one reason I'm so excited. The second reason that I just loved being part of this church last week and was just so proud of us— was that I asked us to go away and pray about a special offering for our global outreach partners. And I said, if we could, over the course of this last month, I said, if we could raise around $18,000, then we could, we could meet all of our global outreach partners' needs in the strategic areas where we want to partner with them. And I asked you guys, go pray, bring a special offering. And I did the same thing with my family. And so far, we've brought in $17,688, which is amazing. It's amazing. Uh, and we had a few people say, you know what? I forgot to bring my, my special offering. I'm going to bring it this week. It was just so beautiful to see. And here's the thing that I loved. Our regular tithes and offerings did not go down last week, which means we didn't just rob Peter to pay Paul, but we actually prayed and asked God, God, would you give me a, a special, uh, a number for a special offering for our global partners? It was just a beautiful Beautiful things. So thank you guys, and I know that God's going to do some great stuff through our generosity with our global partners. Hey, I want you to um, to grab a couple things out of your program. The first is this card that says Start Here. Go ahead and get your name and email address on this. This is our communication card. Helps us stay connected to each other, uh, to the things we're doing in the church. Gives you access to our pastoral team, so we can pray for you, we can partner with you. So go ahead and put your name and email address on there. Uh, the second thing you're going to want are our teaching notes. I- I'm telling you, even if you're not a note taker, you're probably going to want these this week because I'm going to lay out some steps for us to engage with each other around this highly contentious political season. So go ahead and get that. And as you're getting that already, um, I just want to share with you that I've said this before, I listen to various pastors from around the country uh, of different ages, genders, uh, racial backgrounds, socioeconomic backgrounds for the purpose of getting a well-rounded picture of what God's doing in our country. And maybe six months ago to a year ago, I heard a pastor named Andy Stanley share a message called Avoiding Election Infection. And I thought to myself, that is an interesting topic. Uh, That's got to be great for his church. The more I watched this political cycle happen— the more I realized I really want us to hear that message. And so uh, with their blessing, uh, I've taken that message and retooled it for our community because there's something that I just want to talk to you about. Because I wonder how many of you uh, have enjoyed this political season. How many of you have really enjoyed this political season? Okay, let me ask you this. How many of you hate the topic of politics and the fact that we're talking about it at church kind of freaks you out? Man, that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how many of you have unfriended someone because of their political views on Facebook? Don't lie, you're in church. Don't. Yeah, all right, all right. How many of you are pretty sure you've been unfriended at some point because of your political views? Yeah. How, how many, how many of you didn't unfriend someone, but you said to your spouse or your housemates, I can't believe them? Yeah, yeah. Just be honest. How many of you have too good of filters to say that, but you thought to yourself, I thought they were Christians. Like, come on, come on. I want to talk to us today as we wrap up our series, How to Neighbor. I want to talk to us today about what it looks like to neighbor with someone, to love someone so deeply when we are diametrically opposed to their political beliefs. How do we neighbor? How do we love when we dis? agree with each other. And the challenge I'm going to lay out for us today is that between now and November 8th, that we as a church community put our faith in God before our politics. That if you're a Jesus follower from now until November the 8th, that you would say, I am a Jesus follower first and I'm a Democrat second. I'm a Jesus follower first and I'm a Republican second. Can we all write in Jesus. You can decide who you want to write in, but uh, Kevin would be a good name if you're looking for someone. <laughs> that I'm a Jesus follower first and a libertarian second. That I'm a Jesus follower first and an anarchist second. Whatever your leaning is. Because there's something that could happen to you today that would make your political convictions irrelevant. But it would make your faith convictions extremely relevant. And here's what it is. Death death. If you died today, your political convictions would no longer matter. But I'm telling you, your faith convictions would become extremely important if today was your last day on earth. And I'm not suggesting today that we all agree with each other. I'm not suggesting that we all vote a certain way or that Christians should all vote a certain way. Because the truth is, many of us don't see a divide between our faith and our politics. Many of us would say, I- I'm a Christian, which is why I'm Republican. I'm a Christian, which is why I'm a Democrat. We, we, don't-, we don't see a-, a disconnect. I mean, Republicans would say this. They would say, listen, Jesus was always right. God is always right. So I'm going to vote right. That's just the way I'm going to do it. No? No booing today, only laughing and being open. Yeah, I didn't say, but a Samaritan, you can't gasp. (laughs) Democrats would say, yeah, but look, Jesus Jesus brought Matthew with him. Matthew was a tax collector, so clearly Jesus was a Democrat because he's all about taxes. Republicans would say, yeah, but if you read the King James Version... The word for tax collector is actually publican, which sounds a lot like Republican, so maybe he's right, Democrats would say, no, no, no. Jesus was a healthcare dispensing machine. Look at look what he did. Forget universal health care. Jesus was like like eternal health care. Plus, Democrats would say Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. On a donkey. He's gotta be a Democrat. So here's the thing. If we're going to put our faith before our politics, it's not enough to say I'm putting God before politics because Christians on both sides of the aisle could make a case that God is for their political leaning. I know that. I've had enough conversations with our faith community to know that there are deeply committed Republicans and deeply committed Democrats who are both deeply committed followers of God. And because of their convictions about God, they vote a certain way. I know that to be a fact. So it's not enough to say, well, because I follow God, I am a blank. If we're going to put faith before politics, then we can't just say that. And we can't just say I'm going to put the Bible before my politics because I'm telling you, you could read the Bible and pull verses to back either political side. So what do we do? This is not a new issue. Everybody wants Jesus on their side, especially when it comes to politics. And it's not a 21st century phenomenon. In fact, when Jesus walked the earth, everybody wanted to know which side Jesus was on. There were two main religious groups in Jesus' day. There were the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they both wanted to know, which side is Jesus on? Is he going to side with us or with them? There were whole groups of God-fearers who were anti-Roman and others who were pro-Roman. And they wanted to know, is Jesus going to be anti-Roman, overthrowing the government, or pro-Roman? People wanted to know, is he pro-women or anti-women? Is Jesus for the sick? Or does Jesus think the sick are somehow cursed by God? These questions came up over and over again as everyone tried to see which side is Jesus on. Listen, can I just say this as clearly as I can? Jesus did not come to take our sides. Jesus came to take over our lives and then to shape our lives around following him. And so when we try to put Jesus into our camp, all we're doing is building walls. And Jesus came to give us a third way. But how do we do it? How do we put our faith in God before our politics? Well, to do it, we have to do something that Jesus did masterfully. What Jesus did was, maybe more than anybody else, Jesus put people before politics. And if we are going to put our faith first, we need to put people first and politics second. See, that's our common ground, isn't it, as Jesus followers? And by the way, if you're here today and you're not a Jesus follower, I just want to welcome you to this church. I'm so excited you're here. You get a sneak peek into what I believe is a way to honor God around a a polarizing time in our country. But Jesus constantly looked at what was best for people and put people first as his way of honoring God. And we've been in this uh, key text and this story for the last four weeks called The Story of the Good Samaritan. Uh, And the key text is Jesus' teaching, and then he tells the story to back up the things he's teaching. Today, I want to stick with simply the text, the, the teaching that Jesus has. And I'm going to pull it from a different biography of Jesus' life called the book of Matthew. Matthew 22 says this, Jesus replied to the man, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And before he could take a breath, before anyone could ask him what he meant by that, he followed up with this. He said, and the second is like it. That phrase like it means it's, it's on a similar level, a similar plane. It's equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law that references the the over 600 laws of the Old Testament of the Bible, all the law and all the prophet, these are all the teachings of the prophets in the Old Testament, hangs on or is contingent upon or rests on these two commands. What Jesus is saying is this the way we demonstrate our love for God by loving people is paramount to our faith. That if you forget all of the 600 laws of the Old Testament, if you can't name the 66 books of the Bible, if you can't find Haggai or Malachi or Isaiah, it's okay. If you simply remember, love God with everything, everything, And let that play out in your life by the way you love others. See, if we want to keep our faith in front of our politics, we need to put people, people, in front of our politics. Imagine, just for a second, what would happen between now and November 8th if we chose to put people who we disagree with in front of our political leaning how would that change petaluma and Roner park and sonoma county how would that change us if we you know there are like 600 of us who regularly come here on on a weekend if just that small community if we put people before politics how much would it change our news feeds on facebook if we chose people before politics i want to do a thought experiment with us for just a minute So I want you to think about this. No need to nudge. No need to raise your hand. I believe this is true, but I want you to to decide. Your behavior, I believe, makes perfect sense to you. Doesn't it? Now think about that. You might not like your behavior. You might not even agree with the behavior you're making, of your choosing. But your behavior makes sense to you. You know why you are doing it. In the same way, Your political views make sense to you. Could it be that someone who disagrees with you, that their political views make sense to them? See, when we look at someone and we ask, how could they believe such a thing? How could they choose such a candidate? How could they lean such a way? What we tend to do is we tend to become suspicious of them but when we don't know when we don't know why someone would vote for a candidate it's because there's something we don't know about that person when we can't imagine why someone would vote a certain way it's because there's something we don't know because they're choosing to vote a certain way because they know or believe something that we don't know or believe. So what if for the next couple weeks, we just asked each other, hey, why do, you, why do you lean that way? As opposed to assuming the worst about them. Because you know this as well as I do. Assuming makes an assumer out of you and me. And no one wants to be an assumer. You thought I was going to say that inappropriate thing on stage. I never say inappropriate things on stage. (laughs) I don't know why you're still laughing. What if instead of assuming certain things about them, I I had a friend say to me, a, a deeply devoted Jesus follower, say to me that when he shared with a close friend who he was voting for, that close friend said, you are a racist, redneck bigot. Wow. There's some assumption there. What if instead of assuming, oh, I didn't know that you loved liars and hated babies, or oh, I didn't know that you were a racist, redneck bigot, what if we asked questions? What if because listen, our country is doing that every day. Don't believe me? Hop on Facebook. Hop on your newsfeed. Watch Saturday Night Live. Like, every single one of us, when we don't understand why someone could think differently than us, the best posture we could take is to become a student. A student, not a critic. Our natural default is to become a critic when we disagree with someone. But the best posture is to become a student. Listen, if we're students, we ask questions. We want to know. We engage. We're curious. And if we don't think we have anything to learn when it comes to politics, we're we're either insecure or we're arrogant or we're God. But if we can become students we could actually bring ourselves back together. And listen, Jesus' followers should be the most confident, the most curious, and the most compassionate people in the world. I want to break that out for us. We should be the most confident people in the world because we know that our eternity is sealed. We know that whether it's this political cycle or the next or the next, there's going to be times when we disagree with what happens politically, but our eternity is sealed and secured forever. We should be confident because we know that our identity is intact as Jesus followers, that when we become followers of Jesus, we, we, we stop having identity that shifts back and forth, and we become adopted into God's family as God's daughter or God's son, which is an identity that can never be taken from us. Our identity is sealed forever. We can be confident because we know that in really in the blink of an eye, this world is going to end And we will be with God in eternity. And I guarantee we will not be having political debates in eternity. The big stuff is taken care of so we can be confident, we can be curious. Because as Jesus' followers, we believe that God is a God of infinite wisdom, which means that as Jesus' followers, we are like lifelong learners we're always learning new things about who God is. I I love it. Um, We're going to have this series coming up uh, in next week, uh, and we're going to ask questions. Well, what about this? What about that? One of the things that I love uh, when it comes, we're going to talk about science and faith. And one of the things I love about that is that as a Jesus follower, we we can have science get a new discovery, and our response can be, so that's how God did it. So that's how God did it, as opposed to this dividing line between science and faith. We can be curious, and we can be compassionate, because we know that our God is a God of deep compassion. Because we know that while we were far from God, while we were, in the words of the Bible, enemies of God, because of our own sin, our own choices, that God looked at us with compassion, and he left heaven and came to earth to walk this life, to show us what it looks like to engage with God. And then he gave his life for us on a cross to pay the penalty for our sin so that we could have forgiveness. And we know that maybe daily we make decisions that God would say are poor decisions, hurtful decisions, damaging decisions, but God does not love us any less when we make those decisions. His love for us is unchanging and we can be compassionate because then we can look at other people who are making political decisions that we don't agree with, that we think are poor or destructive. And we could, and I'm not saying we do, but we could have the same compassion for them as God does for us. So how do we do it? How do we stay curious? Well, I want to give us four questions to keep us curious. The first is this. When we come up against someone who has a different point of view than we do politically, what if we led with this question? So what led you to that view? It's a curiosity question. What led you to that view? I'm genuinely interested. See, when you and I, when we see someone's post on Facebook or when they tell us their political leaning, we're actually getting the last sentence of a long conversation. They've been thinking about this for years. They've been engaging with this topic long before we knew them. And when you say, what are you or who are you going to vote for? You and I are getting the last sentence of a stream of relationship, a stream of conversation. So what if we ask them, what led you to that point of view? And then the second question is this. Have you always held that point of view? Most of us, as we grow, we change our view. We shift our view on both sides, by the way. We focus our view. Oh, have you ever changed your point of view? And if they say, no, I've always held this point of view, I would ask this question. What crystallized it for you? Again, it's a curiosity question. I genuinely want to know what crystallized it. And This is one of my favorite questions next. I get most of my information from the media. How about you? Do you know why we ask that question? Because we're only each of us getting part of the story on both sides of the political fence only part of the story we get the majority of our information from the media and the media tells us what the media wants us to know so when i say i get most of my information from the media how about you and listen nothing against the media i know some of us work in media in this room nothing against it but we're not getting all of the information, all of the story. I talked to my parents recently who retired a few years ago. And they said, it's great. Now we get to watch entire speeches, entire like things in the house. And we see the whole story. And then we'll watch on the news that afternoon and they'll show snippets of it. And it's like totally different than what the speech actually was. was like, oh, we're only getting part of the story. And if we're only getting part of the story, then there's freedom for us to have conversation rather than locking into our spots. And the last one is this. Can we continue this dialogue in person? I want to encourage our church. Social media is a great place to make statements and build walls and figure out who's on your side and who's not. It's great for that. If that's what you're going for, social media is your avenue. If you want to make statements, build walls, and figure out who's with you and who's against you, go to social media. Social media, rarely if ever, is the place for honest conversation and the place where opinions are shifted. It's rare that someone watches social media and thinks, huh, you're right, I totally, I'm going to shift my view because of that post, that forward, that note, that comment. But man, I've watched news feeds blow up as walls are built, as friendships are destroyed, as relationships are separated, So what if we said, hey, can we continue this conversation in person? Can I take you out to coffee? I'll pay. Let's talk. Now, should we have an opinion? Absolutely. I think every one of us, whether you're voting age or not, and most of us are voting age, every one of us should have a well-informed opinion. Should we argue our point? In the appropriate setting? Yes argue your point, that's fine, in the appropriate setting. Should we make our point at the expense of our influence? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And should we jeopardize relationships for the sake of politics? Absolutely not. The Apostle Paul tells us why in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I want, I want to look at this. This is actually a good way to end our entire series on how to neighbor. Paul says this. He says, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new is here. And this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. That word reconcile means God made two incompatible things compatible again. He took two things that were at odds and brought them back together. God reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. See that God was reconciling, again, bringing two things back together, reconciling the world to himself through Christ, not counting our sins against us. And he has committed to us this great message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. And we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That word ambassadors means someone who's sent forth from the king to proclaim a message. And what Paul says is we are Christ's ambassadors to this community, as though God himself were making his appeal through us to the community. And what's the appeal? Be reconciled to God. And how How do you and I act as ambassadors? It happens through influence. Only influence. So, why on earth would we jeopardize our influence of the greatest message in the history of the world? Why would we jeopardize our influence for the sake of trying to convince someone to vote a certain way? We have the greatest news in human history that God and people were separated, that God made a way for us to come back to him, that God has forgiven us of our sins, that God is healing us of our brokenness, that God is sealing our place in eternity, that God is creating in us a new community that lives love for other people. Why would we squander that opportunity for the sake of politics? Why? The answer, there is no good reason. Which is why? As your pastor, I don't tell you which way to vote. I know people in this room who love God, and I can see you, I know who you are, who love God and will absolutely vote Republican. Be blessed in that. I know people who love God and will absolutely vote Democrat. Be blessed in that. I know people who love God and will write me in. Be blessed in that. Absolutely. Maybe this is the year. Spend fun, church. Kevin goes to Washington. Awesome. (laughs) Here's why there's no need to jeopardize influence for the sake of your opinion. Because when you walk out of the polling place on November the 8th, you will not receive a sticker that says, I opinioned. Because your opinion ultimately doesn't matter. It's your vote that matters. It's your vote that matters. So vote your conscience. Vote the way you want to vote. Get your sticker and put it on social media because we are all very excited to see that. Because I wonder if yours is different than mine. But listen, the sticker does not say I opinioned. It does not say I convinced. The sticker says I voted because your vote matters. And I, I would say every one of us should vote. Vote. Vote somehow. Vote. There are lots of issues even outside of the presidential. Vote. Let your vote count but keep your influence intact. Because I'm telling you, church, if we're going to be a community that actually influences Sonoma County, we must not lose, we must not lose our influence for the sake of lesser things. It's why I will tell you, and we do tell you, what I believe the Bible says about issues. I, I tell you what we believe the Bible says about human life, about integrity, about honesty, about About racial reconciliation. We talk about those things to inform you as a Christ follower. And then we trust the Holy Spirit that when you pray about issues, when you pray about candidates, the Holy Spirit will take this information that you have learned and will guide you to the right decision in the polling place. But I'm not gonna tell you who I'm voting for because the minute I do, half our church would write me off. The other half would love me, but I would lose my influence with a portion of our church it's just not worth it. Because I am Christ's ambassador, as though God were making his appeal through me. And I don't know about you, but that's a title that I wear with pride and honor, and that's a title that I will protect to my dying day. And that's what I want for us. So how do we put How do we put our faith before our politics for the next handful of weeks? We do it by putting people before politics, by asking questions, not making statements, by engaging with each other in dialogue, by recognizing when our influence is in jeopardy for the sake of a lesser thing, and then choosing just to be quiet and allow God to work. And if you're here today, And you came because you wanted to know, well, what do Christians think about politics? On some level, I kind of let you down, didn't I? Because I didn't tell you how to vote. And I'm not sorry for that. Because if you're here today and you're not a Jesus follower, the message I want you to walk out with is not a message about which way you should vote. The message I want you to walk out of here with is this. God is pursuing you. God loves you desperately, so much that God left heaven and came to earth in Jesus Christ. He saw you, he loved you, he gave his life for you so that you could experience his forgiveness, be adopted into his family, be filled with the Holy Spirit, join a community like this that's seeking to love this city as our outpouring of loving God. That's the message I want you to know. And I'm going to pray right now. And if you've never entered into a relationship with God, I'm going to give you a chance to do that right now to join Jesus in this journey of life. So would you join me? Let's let's pray together. God, thank you for this opportunity to come and to talk openly and honestly about a topic that is polarizing our country that is creating needless enemies and needless walls. And and we're asking, God, that you would make us this unique community of people, this church that can very strongly hold different political views and at the same time engage with each other in a loving, God-honoring way. And I'm asking, Lord, that you would continue to make new life, make our community a community that is a unique group of people who loves fully and freely this larger community in Sonoma County who constantly communicates a third way beyond the us, them, and the in, and the out. And I do pray, Lord, I pray for our country. I pray that moving forward, regardless of how this election pans out, I'm asking God that you would continue to use Christ followers in this country to flavor and influence all levels of politics, of businesses, of schools, of neighborhoods. God, would you use us to uniquely flavor and influence this country so that we might be ambassadors? And if you're here today and you're ready to give your life to God, to start this journey with him, I'm going to invite you to do that right now, to pray a simple prayer where you would just say to God, yes, I want to walk with you. So you can repeat these words after me. You could just simply whisper, Lord Jesus, I believe that you love me and that you gave your life to pay the penalty for my sin. And I want to walk with you. So would you come into my life? God, would you forgive me of my sin? Would you begin to heal me in the places where I experience brokenness in this world? God, would you show me how to walk with you every day from this day forward, even as I walk into eternity. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.